biggest games. Biggest events. Wow, the crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I, I thought it was you asked for in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Esports Podcast. It's Rachel here in studio with Jacob Wolf. Jacob, how are you? I'm doing all right. It's uh, things are starting to kick out and or kick up, I guess, in the off season. So it's. Uh, been quite a busy couple of days. I'm I'm looking forward to doing some reporting, but that also means uh, lots of late nights and yeah, just busy mornings as well. So uh, it's going to be an intriguing time of the year. I think a lot of teams will be making midseason changes, uh, even though I don't think that many actually need it. But we'll see. <laughs> All right, we've also got Emily on the phone today to talk about the NALCS and EU LCS finals with us. Emily, how are you? Hello, thank you. Uh, before we, th- we start things off, we have a word from our sponsor. So, Jacob, why don't you take it away? Gamers like to customize everything, from their gaming rig all the way down to the way their characters look. And now Schick has developed a way for them to customize their shave, too. Introducing new Schick Hydro 5 Sense razors and refills. Equipped with innovative shock-absorbed technology, the razor auto-adjusts based on how you shave, backing off or adding pressure when needed. Three custom gel formula refill cartridges enable you to further personalize your shave. They're available in hydrate gel with coconut oil to hydrate throughout each shave, comfort gel with herbal extracts to comfort skin, and energized gel with menthol to wake up tired-looking skin. As someone who stays up a lot uh, and doesn't sleep very well, the energized gel actually makes me feel pretty good about when I shave in the morning. I did use this, the razor this morning prior to this podcast, uh, and... Generally, like I, I very much enjoy it. So uh, thank you, Schick, for supporting us. And we hope you support Schick like they should support us here at this podcast. So customize your shave with new Schick Hydro 5 Cents. Available now at Walmart for an everyday low price. For more savings, visit Schick.com. Nice. All right, let's kick things off then. We've got LCS Finals taking place last week. And before we dive into North America, let's talk about EU for a second because, wow, Fnatic, wow, where to begin? They utterly smashed G2 in the grand finals of the spring split, 3-0. I mean, Jacob, how did this happen? You know, the the European region has looked really top-heavy with Fnatic looking better than everyone else. Um, I think that this Fnatic roster is even better than the one last year. I think having Hillsong on that roster look, uh, made them look pretty great. And overall, it, it just seems like this team's a lot more coordinated, right? I think that... It was a really big blow this year to lose a lot of the best players in Europe, uh, like Sven and Mithy coming mm-hmm. over to North America, right. Trick going back home to Korea, just, you know, kind of demantalizing the region, Fabivan coming to, to clutch. Like, uh, a lot of the best players in the region that used to be on these teams that would go to the finals are not there anymore. And I think that was very apparent looking at the G2 team that ultimately... The G2 team that ultimately made it to the finals and uh, played against Fnatic, they just they just didn't look like a very good team. And I think that Fnatic is probably the best mix and match of uh, mix and match of, of stars in Europe. Even though they they were using a basically a rookie jungler and and a definitely a rookie top laner in the series because Soaz is injured. But just the bottom side of the map, like Caps is is been great. I thought he was going to be great when he first joined this team a year and a half ago, and I still think that. And so Reckless and, and Hillisong are kind of like the rock, right? They've they've been consistently good. And I think that was this series is that 
I, I really think that this, this team looks 100 times better than anyone else in that region. Now, taking a step back and looking at their spring split trajectory, Emily, did you expect this kind of finals to happen? Uh, yeah, I expected. So I actually, the one thing I didn't expect about this finals was I, um, no offense to G2 and props to them for making it to finals, but I actually expected Slice to be here. Me too. Um, uh, because I thought they were a better team going into that semifinal. Um, and I, so I was, first of all, I was surprised to see G2 in the finals. Um, but then secondly, I, I think most people, including myself, were saying tentatively 3-1 Fnatic if G2 can get like a really strong, like even in one of their games, they did have like a good early opening and then Fnatic just, you know, outplayed them in the mid game. Um, but I think... It, it was like a tentative 3-1 where maybe Fnatic will give them a game. Otherwise, it was 3-0 predictions pretty much across the board uh, because of how both of these teams have performed throughout the split. Um, Fnatic has definitely been the most consistent team. I do think when you look at this team on a larger stage, um, the loss of Soaz is actually huge. I think Soaz is a phenomenal player. So I'm curious to see how they will do at MSI with this lineup um, because Buipo played really well in the finals, but I also think that um, it's going to be a lot tougher stage for him when they get to MSI. So I'm curious to see how they'll do there. But as for the result, I didn't see G2 taking this. Um, I, I definitely thought Fnatic were going to take it. Right, and speaking of other players or other standout players, Reckless got the MVP awards at the end of the finals. Uh, Jacob, what were your thoughts on this? Like, was he deserving of that award? I think so. I think in the prior series against Vitality, it was definitely, if that was going to be the final series, I think it would have gone to Caps. But I certainly think that in this series, Reckless was, like I said, the, him and Hillisong are kind of the rocks of this roster. They're the oldest players. They've had the most, uh, they've had the most experience. And I, I think that showed. Like, I, I think Reckless was head and shoulders above Yarnin. I think he always has been. We've seen these two guys play against each other before. It's not new. Uh, and I just think that, that Reckless was the best player on Fnatic in this series. And Emily, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Like, who, who is your, I guess, star MVP for this grand finals? Uh, it was definitely Reckless. I think, um, this is, he's had like a really interesting career trajectory where uh, even like the fans in and outside of Europe have kind of argued over how good he is across, uh, across the years because his debut was so high profile and everyone was kind of looking at him as like the star AD carry of Europe, even when he was quite young. Um, and I think this, year and this performance really like seals the deal in terms of him being kind of peerless in his region um which is i mean it was it was really impressive to see i guess and i saw a lot of his detractors over the years finally being like yes you know this is the best day to carry in europe right. uh, which is also really cool so it was kind of like him grabbing his own uh, destiny or title that was assigned to him by the community, I guess, all those years ago in like a kind of contentious battle. Um, so that was really cool. 
Yeah, I mean, we, I, I agree with that. I think that's definitely a story to look at in terms of the player that he is. I mean, at one point he was thinking about retiring. Like this, it's been a very rough career for him and he's not that old because you have to remember, even though he's played so long and he's a veteran, he's really been in this game since he was old enough to, to play in the LCS at 17 years old. You know, he was someone that Fnatic was courting back when he was like 15, 16 and then started playing for the LCS roster forever ago. And we've seen peaks where like he thinks he's, he thought he was phenomenal. We saw him go to that Alliance team that was just, or yeah, the Alliance slash Elements team, whatever it was at the time. I believe it was Alliance. Uh, we saw him go to that team and, and they were just awful. Um, and they did not live up to expectation. He went back to Fnatic and he was the re- one remaining star when XPK and so has left. He's, he's been through these, all these roster like turnovers where, He's had to change supports multiple times. He's had to see Yellowstar leave. He's had to play with Jezus. And, and really the whole entire time, like, it's been a kind of a rough career for him. And there has been so much expectation because he was that, like, wonder child when he was, uh, on Fnatic as a, as a young 17 year old in season three and season four. Well, even before that, season two, uh, when he played, uh, with Fnatic at, uh, IPL, like, there was this weird break where he wasn't able to play because of the age restrictions, but people had pegged him as a superstar before that because of his performances internationally. Um, like right around the transformation from going to tournament circuit to the LCS era. Yeah. I think that if you look at, at him as well, I, everyone always thinks that like X Peke is probably the, uh, I guess what made the, the fanatic legacy for quite a while. And I would argue that that's reckless at this point. If you look at it, because he's he's been through this team through thick and thin. He was that was if you look at it, that was seven years ago almost. Like it's been quite a while, you know. It's that was at least six years ago, and and yeah, he's he's one of those players where like you realize that he's still so young. Like Zatai, who's been playing, I think since he was like fourteen in China, um, and you just look back and you're like, wow, this kid has been playing for a really long time because he yeah he's been around since the pre LCS days. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I do agree that, like, this was another I can do it with anyone. You know, that I think that we, uh, we've already seen that kind of mentality from Fnatic when they won with the Steelback roster that, that everyone doubted and it was like, Fnatic, or it was Fabiven and Steelback and it was like Yellowstar's band of misfits. Um, <laughs> and they ended up doing quite well for themselves. That was the Huni and Rainover roster as well. And, and, uh, I think, Having Reckless there and having him be the consistent part of the team through thick and thin, I think that he has uh, proved that he can do this regardless of who you put him with. Well said. Well, it seems like, well, speaking of star power, it seems like ADCs are in a pretty important position of power right now, or maybe the players are just that good. But, you know, taking a look at Reckless and Doublelift's performances in the finals, two players who really carried their teams. Uh, Emily, where do you think the ADC is right now in terms of the metagame? Um, it's improved a lot since the beginning of the split when I was constantly complaining about double relic shield. Um, <laughs> I think that's, uh, uh, the bot lane right now is not only a lot more volatile, but you have all of these scaling carries that people are playing, um, that are also can be fairly strong in lane. Um, you see a lot of teams across the board, even like, they kind of stink now, but um, but Rogue Warriors in China was another team that really focused around uh, like scaling their AD carry. Um, all of the teams coming out of uh, Korea, 
So you have Kramer, who I'm not super high on, but then also um, Prey, who's like obviously legacy 80 carry player. Um, over in China, you have Uzi Ai or this, uh, the new rookie Jackie Love or even potentially iBoy going. Um, so it's a good, it's a good place for 80 carries. And I think this is going to be a really interesting MSI to look at 80 carries. Even Flash Wolves, which are like budget Flash Wolves now because they lost Carsa. Right. Um, Betty has actually been performing really well. So you have uh, a good meta for a lot of really strong uh, carry style, you know, like really, really hard carry 80 carries to shine. And I think that's evident in a lot of these teams that you see in playoffs around the world and also definitely in both double lift and reckless qualifying with their teams from North America and Europe. Right. And I just to wrap up this conversation really quick, I think one of the most important storylines coming into this match is not just Fnatic star power, but what happened to G2. Like they fell apart at the seams in the finals and they look like they were basically non-existent on the field. So can they bring it back in the summer split? Jacob, why don't you take uh kick us off? I don't think so because honestly like like I said I think every single the only roster I would say that is close to as talented as Fnatic as general uh, generally in terms of player skill is Splice like uh Emily mentioned and they they fell apart in the semifinals right they didn't make it past G2 to make it to this final G2 is a talented team uh Perks is a talented player but I don't think that team is like the final destination and it certainly does not compare at all to G2 teams of the past, particularly the one that won so many championships with Sven and Mithy. I just don't think that any team in the region has figured out the right pairing, you know, because we saw the two teams that were very talented, Schalke and Splice. Schalke didn't even make playoffs. Splice bottom out in semifinals. It just, to me, it, it seems like Fnatic is the rightful representative at a, like, one team per region event like MSI. And I just Maybe G2 does end up making it to Worlds, but I'm very unimpressed by the European region outside of Fnatic at the moment. Emily, thoughts? Um, I don't know. Europe, it's weird because, like, I feel like whenever people are like, yeah, Europe sucks, they always come out and, and kind of uh, and do well and kind of, you know, grit their teeth. And there's always um, there's always young and talented players coming up to kind of replace the ones that leave the region obviously this was actually a really rough split for europe um not even in terms of play but i also think that the inconsistency you saw across the board with a lot of these rosters being new and trying to coordinate together um is also reflected in the way that the region itself was treated this is a weird like gap year between uh teams applying for franchising but they're a year late behind north america because of the way that Riot was like, we're not going to do franchising. Oh, wait, yes, we are, because teams are kind of angry. Um, and so I think it's just a really weird transition year for them in general. Um, so I also think that that is reflected somewhat in their play style, because, or not in their play style, but in the play of some of these teams uh, where there's been a lot of up and downs because, you do have a lot of rosters that are brand new trying to come together and also just everything seems kind of up in the air with teams waiting for franchising anyway. So it's just a really weird year for them. But um, 
I think that generally the teams at the top of Europe still tend to uh, at least show up the G2 memes aside from the not last year, but the previous year. Um, they tend to at least make a splash internationally. So um, I wouldn't count this for nice team out. Obviously, like, again, we've been talking about Reckless and Hillsang. It's a super strong bot lane that should be able to at least contend with some of these bot lanes that are coming um, and at least make things explosive. So I'm still looking forward to seeing them at MSI, even though I do think this is a really, it's just a really weird year for Europe overall. I would agree with that. I think some teams this year are spending a lot because they feel like they have to prove something to Riot, that they're worth staying in the league. I think some teams are hopelessly spending a lot, like Schalke as well, because even if they didn't spend a lot, I think they're a decent franchise applicant if they just choose to do so. Uh, But some teams are just like, we're not going to spend that much money at all on this roster, and we're just going to sit it out and wait till franchising, and we don't feel like there's a point, right? Because you can only get relegated at the end of the year, and then really, does that actually matter? I, you know, it's such a weird dynamic over there in terms of ownership and money, and I think that truly, uh, there's a lot of work to be done, and I, I think that this year for Europe is suffering, I guess, as a result because it, it, there's such an odd dynamic between money spent and rosters, and how much does it actually matter at the end of the day to get you in uh, a franchise slot? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're about to cut to break for a second, but before we do that, and if you have some spare time, you can leave us a rating and a review in iTunes and let us know how we're doing. You can also tweet us your thoughts at Rachel Yonggu, at Jacob and Wolf, and at League of Emily. Also, you can find us in the ESPN app, and if you subscribe to Esports in it, we can send you an alert whenever we have a new episode. Hey everyone, we're back with the ESPN Esports podcast. Now moving to the other side of the pond, North American League Championship Series Grand Finals. You know, I feel like Team Liquid really proved themselves in this finals because they pretty much smashed 100 Thieves out of the water. Like, And I would like to say that it's the double of defect. You know, three championships with four teams, which is pretty amazing. But I feel like it was really a team effort. And I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on the grand finals overall. So, Emily, why don't you kick us off? So, yeah, I thought this was going to be closer. Um but after that game one with the Smithy uh, Baron steal, I was like, oh, okay, this is looking like, you know, um, it's just kind of Team Liquid's day, even though you can never really say that in, in terms of a League of Legends series. But um, that game one, in my opinion, was kind of the closest uh, that 100 Thieves came, and it was uh, still a 29-minute victory for Team Liquid. I think the thing that is super good about this team, and I believe I brought this up last week, but they're so good at playing around leads. They really know how to snowball leads. And they know how to, once they have a lead, they know how to close out the game. Um, and I actually thought where they would trip up would might be if 100 Thieves was able to get ahead of them. Um, but even when that did happen, which it happened like once or twice, but... Um, <laughs> Even when that did happen, they were able to play around it really well. And I think, obviously, Doublelift deserves the spotlight for just really stepping up over the playoffs overall um, and also how he overcame personal tragedy. But I think even in this series, like, the two stars that really shown for me were definitely Smithy and Cobelter. Um, 
And obviously, Paul Walter got the series MVP. It was just really cool to see this roster come together as a team because I think a lot of people, uh, when they looked at this roster on paper, even if they were putting them at the top, they were like, well, this is going to fall apart because it's a lot of veterans, it's a lot of loud voices. Um, and, you know, they managed to prove everyone wrong and really come together and put forward a great team effort that showed uh, just how well they can snowball their leads. This is indefinitely the best series I think I've ever seen a Smithy play of League of Legends, and he has played for a very long time. It's not because he played carries and just dominated people, which we've seen him do before, but from the Baron steal on, I feel like he was just the better jungler than Medios, and I think Medios has really had a redemption story as well over the last ups and downs of his career and moving into this veteran stacked 100 Thieves team that has done very well for themselves throughout the, the spring split. I think it's Smithy. Yeah, so I, oh, continue. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I actually picked uh, Medios as my like overall MVP. Um, oh. And I thought Ix Smithy did a phenomenal job against him in this series. I think Ix Smithy is the type of jungler who is, if you interview him about what he's doing, he might not be able to like vocalize to you like what he's actually doing to his opponent. But he has so much experience. Like, he's been playing since 2011. Again, another player that's been around for forever. And um, he just instinctively can react to his opponent's tapping. And I think that's also what we saw him do in the series. Yeah, I mean, we got to remember that three-fifths of this Team Liquid team has won a championship before, and Nick Smithy, Pobelter, and Doublelift. I certainly expected them to make it to the finals prior to this. I think that it would have been a very dis- it would have been a huge disappointment for them, considering how much their organization spent and put resources in terms of both people and money into this team. So I think this was the path that they had had to take. I. I did think it was going to be closer, as Emily said, but I generally thought that that Team Liquid was likely going to come out on top. I, there's something, and Doublelift, he had a good series, and I, I don't want to diminish that, but I do want to like compliment Pobelter and Xmithy for the, the games they had, particularly Xmithy, because a jungler is such a ever-changing role, right? Like, if we if we look at, like, what certain roles are very strong based off, like, the champion pool and how that changes in meta, the jungler always has uh, such a, a big responsibility, I feel, on their shoulders. They maintain the map for everyone else. They, they can gank and make those unfavorable situations for the other team. And that those changes, those change games, right? Like, the jungler is probably, I would say, the most pivotal role in the game if we look at the entire... The entire history of competitive League of Legends. It's the one role that, that has a lot of impact. And I think that this game came down to, uh, came down to junglers as much as it did 80 carries. I did think that double lift looked a lot better than Cody Sun, and I would expect that out of double lift, but I do think Xmithy had probably the best series out of everyone in, in the entire map, I guess. Yeah, and I'm sure that's something Emily definitely appreciated, having studied jungle pathing very extensively. Yeah. And you know, I didn't. I don't want to say Smithy is robbed. I saw other people saying it, uh, but he would have been my series MVP. My turn. <laughs> I'm just saying that. Right. <laughs> and you know, I want to touch on your Medios piece that you sort of alluded to um, a couple minutes ago. Basically, a hundred thieves aren't really looking like themselves. And you know, Emily, you embedded with the team for some time. So, can you give us some insight into what's happening? Um, I mean, I talked to the team off and on throughout the split. I think, um, I mean, I 
I'm not really sure what happened in the finals specifically. I do think a lot of it was that Dick Smithy was able to get the jump on Medios because Medios is such an integral part of what this team does. Um, even though, like, I have no disagreements with Afermu winning MVP. Like, I'm super happy for him. I also think that he has had a phenomenal split, and I think a lot of the stuff that he does for the team is uh, rooted in intangibles. Like, every single person who works with him says that he's just, like, super smart, like, off-the-charts pattern recognition, really great at facilitating discussion. Um, so I, I just hope that this 100 Thieves team can continue to improve together. Like, um, I, don't, I have no idea what's going on in terms of uh, the off-season stuff, but this is a team that I really, really hope stays together with their starting five because I think that they can only continue to improve. I know they, this is another team. I talked about Clutch Gaming previously, I believe, last week, but um, this is, 100 Thieves are another team that are super harsh on themselves just because, again, they have a lot of really strong veteran voices um, sometimes it takes a little while to get all of those people on the same page, not because they're arguing, but just because they all have so much experience that they each bring to the table a really specific way to do things. So they just have to pick one and kind of all all agree on it. Um, so this that's why like I, I would really like to see this team go forward into summer and continue to improve because I don't think we've seen even close to what this roster could accomplish as a unit. Absolutely. So before we get to summer, of course, we have MSI. Now that we know that Liquid and Fnatic have made it to MSI, I mean, what are what are, what are our predictions on how they will do there? Jacob, why don't you kick us off? I think that the... The Korean... Until we see who wins LCK, I'm very hesitant to go like, yeah, these Western teams will do well or not. It, we have had, particularly at MSI, we've had the stable of SK Telecom for so long. It was very easy to, like, compare compare and contrast, like, lane matchups and how everyone works in the Western teams versus an SK Telecom team. And, I, I mean, uh, that to say, like, I still think Korea is probably the best region. The the mentality that goes into the way those players play and and the way they run things, clearly it works, right? Like, it's a result, it's a result-based thing. I don't think we need to argue that Korea has historically been the best region in League of Legends. And I still think that will be the case. But it it's weird, you know? Like, I, I it's hard to see and predict what's going on with MSI without looking at the entire field. I think North America will do better than they did last year because I feel like this Liquid team and probably the 100 Thieves team were better than TSM uh, of last year. I think that Fnatic is is a little bit more interesting. Like I said, I think the European region looks weaker, but they are definitely the best in the European region. They stand head and shoulders above everyone else. So it's hard to predict Europe, but I, I generally think that North America will have a better MSI than it did last year. Emily, what about you? So both of the teams that are in the Korean finals are super good and they're not particularly like each other. Um, so they are both really interesting teams. Uh, King zone. This is like the insane. If you picked a perfect meta for King zone, this would be it. Um, so I, if, if for some reason they don't end up, make, up making it, I will be shocked. Um, but then you get the Freaks, who are a super hard team to prepare for because 
not only do they just rely on this kind of skirmish into 5v5 style where the entire team collapses on you and they just chain CC after CC, but um, they also have a really interesting coach and he prepares them for a lot of weird, slightly off meta picks. And the team is incredibly flexible that they can play around that. So um, you have one team from Korea, if they go, it's the perfect meta for them. Uh, I don't see anyone beating Peanut and then that bot lane and then Khan. Like, it's just insane. That team is absolutely ridiculous. And then even if they somehow, for whatever reason, don't go, you then have this team that's ridiculously difficult to prepare for and has been shown to be incredibly coordinated throughout the split and the fact that they will put a lot of time and effort into preparing for specific opponents. Um, Out of China... I am still not super sold on EDG. I know Clearless came back towards the end of the split, so we'll see what's going to happen with that. But the team I'm expecting to come out of China is IG. And again, this is a team that has been untouchable throughout the split. Um, It's really just this insane, insane... um, Sorry, my neighbor's dog. I'm not sure if you can cut this out. (laughs) Yeah, no, we can hear that. It's all good. Um... So yeah, Invictus Gaming has just been firing on all cylinders throughout the entire split. Um, they have, obviously, this was Jackie Love's first year. We Everyone's been waiting for him, rookie ADC out of China to debut. Um, rookie is still one of the best mid laners in the world, very quietly, because he's over in China. Um, but this is just an insane team as well. So I think you have... Uh, if all goes as planned and you have IG and Kingzone coming to this event, those teams are going to be remarkably hard to beat for both Fnatic and Team Liquid. Um, Right. Definitely, like, even in a best of one, but then obviously if they make it past that in a best of five. it's, It's just you're talking about teams that have been at the top of their region consistently across metas, over the entire split and just have not let up. And that's not something we've seen of Team Liquid. They kind of dipped mid-split. And as I said, they still do have problems playing from behind. And then Fnatic is very difficult to gauge because Europe has kind of been, again, like very inconsistent and all over the place. Um, so I think if, if all goes as planned and you have... IG and Kingzone qualifying, it's going to be really hard to beat those teams. I guess we're all in agreement that basically a Korean team is going to win and Invictus Gaming has the biggest shot at upsetting them in the unlikely scenario. Um, But I guess let's bring it back to regional rivalries because, you know, that's all we ever want to talk about. Who will go farther, North America or Europe? I know we don't have the bracket, but just give me your best predictions. Jacob, you can go first. North America. Emily? I'm going to say tentatively North America. I think it's a better, again, when I look at um, this team and the way they play, I think it's a stronger meta for them, especially given how they snowball leads. Um, So, yeah, I would give the edge to Team Liquid over Fnatic. Assuming that meta doesn't change significantly before MSI. I don't think it will. I wouldn't put it past them, though. But well, they're putting. They're, are they are they playing MSI on eight point six? Have they said? 
I don't think they've said what what competitive patch they're playing okay. on. And and it's not until the middle of May, so we have about four weeks, five weeks from now. Four right, weeks. Four a lot weeks can from change. Now. But you heard it here first. Both Jacob and Emily are on the North American hype train for the time being. Um, that's all we have for the podcast today. Uh, thank you, Jacob, for joining me. And thank you, Emily, for calling in. For more sports content, you can check out ESPN.com slash esports. Or you can give us a follow on Twitter at Rachel Youngu, at League of Emily, and at Jacob and Wolf. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.